So because I've shared this with you before, but also other folks, I feel like I want to be creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got new folks. We got new folks. I, I want to be creative and uh, explain it in a more enigmatic way. <laughs> okay, okay. Build the mystery? Yeah, I mean, it has a core tenets of, you know, what transpired, but I think all of who we become and what we are, um, it's a result of us kind of reflecting and leveraging our experiences that we had, mm -hmm. understanding who we are, understanding what we want to do and what we understand about our perceived purpose mm -hmm. and then either putting into action or not so i think for me i went you know just like a roller coaster um but i've always been you know even when i was a little biracial kid that didn't know what the fuck was going on um i think i, I did have a, a sense of self you know, um, I was always a little weirdo. For sure. Um, you know, like I was a dude in, in high school who instead of going, especially like, you know, I was a freshman and sophomore. You know, I, instead of like going out to parties and stuff, I'll be home on the weekends, like watching Courage the Cowardly Dog and, mm -hmm. and Adult Swim yeah. and like bad 2 a.m. infomercials. And so, you know, I always had this, like, creative, weird side to me. And I think mm -hmm. when I shut it off almost forcefully in yeah. high school, like, right kind of towards the end of my sophomore year okay. in high school, that's when I lost the sense of who I was. And instead of, like, embracing those kind of idiosyncra idiosyncratic elements of my person and those des creative desires I wanted to pursue, mm -hmm. I turned my back towards it. Mm -hmm. And I just stared into the abyss and it was appealing and I jumped in. And so the rest of high school after that point is like a blur. Yeah, yeah. You know, even like, you know, I got so much love for the, the homies that I played ball with because that's really where my passion for Lawrence came in because I consider myself adopted so I'm not from here mm -hmm. you know this is in my culture uh, but I respect it I honor it I love it uh, nonetheless and that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have relationships with people here for sure that's why I always knew you know ET had to come back and be based in Lawrence but yeah man so what happens is you you know you either kind of just go into the best forever or like you know, you hit, you hit uh, the, these precipices, these these hard edges mm -hmm. of the cliffs that 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 you're paying off of as you're going down this hole, and you can either wake up or you just go until your brains are completely emptied on mm -hmm. the side on the side of this mountain. Um, so fortunately, you know, um, I had some wake-up calls that jarred me, started to jar me out of the slumber. You know, I, like, walked into getting a basketball scholarship out of high school. Yeah, yeah. And because I, like, walked into it... That must be very gratifying. Like, you just... You know what I mean? It feels like it must be easy. 
Well, it's not that it was easy, but I was underachieving in basketball. I was telling you a, a little bit, okay. like, you know, I didn't have the, I didn't understand the joy of it till, you know, way later. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand, like, what it took to, like, master a skill or, like, all the nuances that went through it. I didn't understand, like, why I like basketball so much. Yeah, and yeah. it's because it's, in, it's, like, it's the most creative sport, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Like, that's why I love basketball so much. It's my favorite sport. I think it's the greatest sport in the world, personally. Right. But I know a lot of people disagree. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, and so you even think about that. Had I effectively embraced, you know, my creative side, how much more would that have benefited basketball, yeah, yeah. you know? But I am not one to dwell on what ifs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that in my early 20s. So uh -huh. um, I do not do that any longer. But anyway, because that, because I, you know, kind of slept walk in this mindless, ignorant haze of late adolescence, um, you know, and I got kicked out of the first college I went to, got kicked off the team. Mm -hmm. You know, a coach called me at one practice that I was... You know, just wilding out, just drunk. You were drunk at practice. Oh yeah, I would, I would roll up in there, twisted. That's crazy. Yeah, a couple games practice? I played drunk. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and like there was, I have my homie there. He wasn't necessarily the best influence, but he was my homie nonetheless. He was this, this dude from the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And you know, I remember this practice. We, um, the night before. We had went to a party at UMass Amherst. Oh, you went to ZooMass? I did. And this is like, you know, it was like a solid hour and a half drive mm -hmm. from Worcester, where I was at. And, uh, you know, twisted, driving drunk, all the stupid shit. Um, mm. Get to the dorm about 45 minutes towards practice. Put my, wow. my head on the pillow. He's on the door. He's like, Keys, man, we got to go. We got to go. I'm like, fuck it. So... I just yeah. put on put on my gear, went to practice. We're on three on three drills. Yeah, you getting bodied, huh? <laughs> uh, no, I started just get, like doing the craziest stuff that you can imagine. That's funny. So the coach was like, he was real, like just really by the books. Like you can't do this. You missed the fundamentals. That. Yeah, missed the fundamentals. Don't jump when you pass. Don't jump when you pass. So. I was over here like doing jumping, doing behind the back passes in a three on three drill, just wild. Like, my boys on the side just dying laughing, like, Kids, you gotta chill. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that'll fight. Then we got, so we, so the coach peeped this and he didn't really kind of had a sense of what was going on. Like, mm -hmm. he wasn't completely ignorant. So he banished me to like the last string and we're doing this full court press. So the starters, um, which I had got demoted because I started the year, you know, starting. So he, uh, I don't even, I, I guess this is, you're bringing this out of me, so I'm just going to. Did you beat them? Uh, so listen, I got I to say. <laughs> Did you beat them, bro? So um, I'm, I'm twisted, just like feeling myself, whatever, like no sleep. That's funny. So the drill was, yeah, the starters practiced the new full court press mm -hmm. that he was unrolling, right? And so he told us, like, the, the now the, the bottom of the bench squad, because, mm -hmm. you know, like, the six and something, man, they were You're the training in. team. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you all have to break the press, like, work on the pass and the cutting. So I was like, I was like, fuck this. So I, so I got the ball. I was just dribbling through everybody. Going, mm -hmm. going, going down, like, diving, laying up, just yeah. like, 
he was getting, he was furious. Yeah. Furious. So, so I said, I don't even know what I said. I said something that, that really like ate at him. You got him. So, yeah. um, anyway, he brought everybody in and he starts laying into me. Mm-hmm. And he calls me, you know, he says, you know, you're a cancer. You're a cancer on this team. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're, you're, you're one of the main ingredients why we've We're, been losing. That's crazy. So, like, you know, hear that. That was like one of those, one of those moments. So, just fast forward a little bit. Not long after that, they kicked me out of school. Mm-hmm. You know, I had like stopped showing up at classes. I was just like, I was, I was, I turned into a menace. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they, they could have put me on probation to see if I, you know, but they were just like, you got to go. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, my mom said the same thing to me. Mm. You got to go. Mm -hmm. So I went and I ended up in Providence with like a friend of a friend of a, uh, family member. I got into like, you know, some really dumb shit, dangerous shit, uh, drinking got worse. And then, you know, uh, I'll save these details for another day, but some things happened that really shook me up. Um, felt like I was on the cusp really close of either mm-hmm. death or getting locked up. And that's when I pulled out my notebook again. Mm-hmm. Started writing, started sketching, and started asking these existential questions for the first time. Like, yo, how did I, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Like I'm 19 at this point. Like, what? How did I end up here? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. what just happened to the past like three years of my life? I don't even know. So I had to like start really like thinking. Like I had privilege. Like I went to you know North Dakota Middle School. Like I used to love education. I was like yeah. a great student. I love learning. I was creative. Like, yo, what the fuck? What just what just happened? Mm-hmm. And so. Like, it was really challenging and, like, really, really depressing, For sure. you know? And so, like, I always had, like, this kind of melancholy side to me. You know, I would I get, you. I would get, you know, I would go into, like, you know, little bouts of, you know, the doom and gloom all throughout when I was younger, all the way, the way out. You know, and that's, that never leaves you, right? Mm-hmm. But when you embrace that, you can actually activate that in a purposeful way, I think. But, yeah. Um, at that time, I didn't, I didn't have that capacity. So, um, yeah. So I got, I got deep, deep, deep in it. And I got a call one day and it was a coach from this community college in Rhode Island. And he was like, I know you're out here. I don't know where you're at, but you know, I heard through the grapevine that you're out here. He's like, you got to get back to school, man. Mm-hmm. He was like, just come here and take some classes. You can't play on the team this year. It's like the middle of the year. But you can start hooping with, you know, in practice, um, taking some classes, just just try like just try to get back in it. Because, you know, you, once you get into this path where you, you don't come back, you won't ever come back. Yeah, yeah. So you want to play ball again? He's like, get back into school. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I was sleeping on a mattress of the floor in this, in this like tiny, tiny room, two-story room. Mm-hmm. A two-story house on uh, Car Street off of Broad Street in Providence, and you know I've been writing. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do it." And so um, that late, late, I was a late enrollee just before the deadline in yeah. January um, of that year. 
this is now um, the clock just struck. It was 2005. Wow. So January 2005. Damn. So I don't think you want me to count the years. It was 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. 18 years ago. Right. Yeah. 18 years ago. Yeah. I'll damn. be honest. I just couldn't count that fast. Yeah. Yeah. Just working with budgets, man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, shit, man. So I started getting back in school, and almost immediately, mm-hmm. you know, I had some dope class. I had an English class. I had a, like a, I had a theater class. A theater class. Um, it was an improv theater class. Mm-hmm. Like some crazy. I don't even know why. How I ended up taking it. Uh, I had an English class. I had a math class and a science class. And so immediately, like just the desire to just consume as much information as I could. You felt that that a hunger. Oh yeah, reemerged and it was like it was almost I didn't I I didn't articulate it at that point. Mm-hmm. But the feeling was now you have to make up for lost time. Wow. You just literally lost years of your life. Yeah. Like all the things that you could have been thinking about, learning, creating, you lost that time. Damn. So from that point on it was just like Time became, you know, I know some people think time's a construct, but I think about it real individualized, right? Like my time and the different, like you can even look in the confines of school or Mm -hmm. eligibility, hooping. Like I just wasted a whole year. I just wasted a whole year of learning and playing ball. Um, So I dove in, started creating, um, started thinking, just started devouring uh, material as much as I could mm-hmm. in and outside of class. Started getting into philosophy, metaphysics, science, history, all this stuff. Like I was just, I was just thirsty for it. Mm-hmm. I, at the time, History Channel was popping off. <laughs> Aliens. Yeah. If if I were to watch something, it'd be like History Discovery Channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was, um, it was a time of just like, just gobbling up things, and then I was hooping and. I started playing with dudes that like fucked up in various degrees from New York, from Connecticut, from around wherever, um, from Matt, from Boston. And these are some of the most talented dudes I've ever played against. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, they fucked up at school, you know, selling yeah. drugs, whatever it was. But a lot of hoopers out there can hoop, they just don't hoop. Exactly. So it was, it was really gratifying too. And I think I had this like chip on my shoulder, like, you know, what it is, what does it mean to be black, mm-hmm. right? And so I think I had my thug phase. You had your thug phase? Well, I was like, just, I, I thought you had to sell drugs. You had to be a thug. You had to, like, not listen to anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had, to, I, had to, I had to, like, internalize that with also this, like, creative weird side. And again, it was just, like, this mm-hmm. push and pull. You know what I mean? Like, still, like feel myself and my desires over here but now like I got kicked out of school now I'm selling drugs now I'm on the on the team with all these hood dudes like but I gotta be this way mm-hmm. so like there was still this trepidation to like embrace who I was yeah. you know what I mean um, but still I was dabbling in self much more than mm-hmm. I have been in the past and that's largely because of the desire to create and to think mm-hmm. And also, I started like the spiritual, the spirituality journey at that point too. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can cut me off with any questions because I'm, no. I'm just talking right now. No, you good, you good. It's something I really, it really caught my attention while you were speaking. 
and it, it reminded me of what we were talking about earlier, but um, I asked you what kind of player you were, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And you said you were a creative player. Mm-hmm. You then proceeded to say you would have been better in today's version of ball than the version of ball when you were playing because it allows more creativity. But I don't think it's necessarily just ball mm-hmm. that that's happened to. I think a lot more industries, a lot more... Um, I think there's just a lot more space for creativity in our society. Um, and I think at least I'm beginning to rethink what creativity looks like in terms of it's not just art, but it's problem solving. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, what is your, what's been your experience? Uh, what do you feel like has been the evolution of, of uh, creativity like in our culture? Or that might be a really broad question, sort of. What, if, what has been your experience with creativity like in the span of opening this nonprofit? Not just like, you know, personally, but what have you seen it do for others? And how have you seen it be a vehicle for, um, you know, this organization's goals? You know what I mean? So I, I agree that you see creativity more uh, explicitly, but I would argue that the nature of that visibility is more so exploitation than Exploitation. Value. Largely because, you know, you think about, you see it leverage more because, I mean, we need, you know, somebody like, you let's take capitalism, right? Okay. You, have, you have markets. You have um, competition, like how are you going to get the upper hands? You know yeah. what I mean? You have these little focus groups, people that have different perspectives, um, maybe do have more creative mindsets because people have like grew into these systems that are so antiquated, uh, arcane, and also limiting and mm-hmm. like just... Regimented, you know what I mean? Like it, the structure it, doesn't permit creativity to yeah, a certain extent. Or like there's this like there's the these things that exist that you feel that there's there's limited power. If I want to succeed or if I want to grow and whatever it is, there are these steps. Mm-hmm. And success looks like even the concept of success is it lacks creativity in in, in so many senses in in industry. So you mean like the the standard definition of success? Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I know we're starting because the individual is starting to be at the forefront more. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I think the the industry as a whole, the leveraging creativity and adaptation. Like I think, I think a system like capitalism is really predicated off Darwinianism, mm-hmm. adaptation. Um, natural selection and leveraging that as a way to grow your bottom line. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's so now like individuals like oh it's a big thing right, but you know I think it then gets appropriated in in a way that yeah. it's like this you're still creating these ideas of what being an individual is or what being s- successful is. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, I don't know when like if Nike reps BLM. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know if you could even do that no more after the embezzlement thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, But just generally, you know, when when organizations or corporations take on social justice issues, it reminds me of what you say, like the exploitation of a cause or something like that. Right. How do you feel like you how does one navigate that um, that line? Because I've been thinking about that a lot lately as I think more about business. 
what is the line between, you know, exploitation and fair labor? It feels very obvious in general because, like, you know, it feels very obvious. But when I really think about it, it feels it's a lot more nuanced. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think yeah, it's always like when we're talking about things, you have to go, you have to really try. We have to try our best to look at like the root causes of things. Yeah, right? yeah. And you know, because so much of the shit is just a symptom of poison underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, like our desires are manipulated in the sense of like wants, not needs. Mm -hmm. So the wants create, um, you know an unreasonable amount of resources that need to be used to appease all those wants. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, you know, I think inherently like we're all hypocrites and contradict ourselves in varying degrees, right? Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like, you know, you know, business organization practice, like what what is what is really at the foundation of it? If the foundation of it is always like consuming yeah then how much can you really like lean into like human equity or like the concept of human flourishing because us collectively mm. consuming isn't yeah. good for for the collective species yeah yeah Yet that is that is the inherent goal with well where we exist so like that is a extreme like dichotomy that like we have deceived ourselves in reconciling but like I think that's a very very serious problem that we as a species need to address yeah that reminds me of like the carrying capacity issue like any ecosystem can only ever hold so much of one species you know what I'm saying because there's a limited amount of resources right even animals have economics of some sort um and it is to say, like what humans tend to do or what we've always done is that we just kind of bypass the the carrying the the rules for carry capacity as soon as like our environment can't seem to contain all of us we adjust the environment um to be able to not just contain what's who is present but it creates room for further you know reproduction mm -hmm. um damn how had that that reminds me of like I don't know, do you wanna say anything to that? No, I mean I, I agree. I, I think this going back to my days in a haze, days in a haze, um, I think that is relevant to you know, what can often be the human experience where like we walk in a haze mm -hmm. in a in I'm not even trying to rhyme here <laughs> we, we we walk in a maze really yeah, yeah, yeah. and if, leave the rhyme to me you bad. know and, and we have all these mechanisms in which to distract us from like really thinking of a way to get out of the maze mm -hmm. so we take a right you know and then we we see something down there that that might present a different way of looking at things but you know I see these things over here I, I hear some birds chirping over here you know what I mean there's a TV screen over there whatever that so I'm gonna go this way instead so there's this constant deflection that that often isn't isn't largely it can't be always the individual's fault if we're born in the cave 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're born in the cave, and those those yeah. shadows to us are like what's real, and we feel comfortable with that, like how can you reasonably push them? But like, yo, that isn't real. Like, yeah, yeah. That you can actually like physically touch and see things in a different way out there, and you know, some people might say, well, this is my reality, so I'm I'm just gonna stay here. But honestly, like, like I understand that people have different understandings of reality and everybody's reality really is kind of individualized to their person because nobody mm-hmm. can be another person or be in their brain like i get it but at the same time are we able to kind of say there is no objectivity to the design of the structures that we live in i think the objectivity of the the structures is that the structures themselves exist you know what i mean um and that's to say that I think sometimes we we take we take the structures too personally, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then we call constructs like figments of our imagination mm-hmm. um, when they're not like they're really in the world. Once you are able to put yourself, they're really in, yeah, they're really in the world. Once you're able to put yourself outside the world, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And like almost look at humanity like as an alien. Um, something you said reminded me of of like the concept of social reproduction. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense where, like you said, we're born in the cave and we don't know we're in the cave and we just accept the cave as the world. And in that way, we're taught the things we're taught about, we're taught the things we know about the cave from other people who were born in the cave and have never seen anything but the cave, right? right? So they're just reproducing what they know. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I remember once, like I wrote a paper about this and I sent it to you and like, you know, you said, Damn, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering, but you said something like you, you were reflecting on the way you, um, you treated racism with Zyra, like, you know what I'm saying? Or the way, or made you reflect on the way you might treat the topic of race and racism Mm -hmm. with Zyra, you know what I mean? Um, on that note, what do you, you know, what, what role or what has been your experience as a community builder or as a community organizer, um, what have been some some observations, positive and negative? Well, I think I think um, you got like fits in like five. Yeah, you're good. It's it's only too far. Um, yeah. I think just going back real, real quick about the social reproduction thing in the cave, teaching the teaching the folks in the cave, teaching the folks in the cave. I think the onus here has been not to impose a particular view on young people or creatives, but allow space, almost like give them the signpost, like, yo, if you want to come out, you can come out. Mm -hmm. This is the space. You want to ask some questions about it, you want to think about it so you feel better and coming out of that cave, you can. And I know that can sound, um, I don't know, maybe facetious, like being like, "Oh, oh, you're in the cave and I'm not. Right, we're all in it. We're all in some sort of bondage. I yeah. put it that way. So we can leave the cave and yeah. still, you know, still be tied to it in some way. Still have our chains connected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bob, Bob Dylan said, "You got to serve somebody." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. We're not. None of us. You know, none of us are are fully and utterly free. And mm-hmm. in some cases, we're not even free from ourselves and like the harm that we do to ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I think when it comes. It comes to community like I, I'm I'm one uh, that believes that it starts really small you know what I mm-hmm. mean like it starts like y'all in the basement for instance you know what yeah. I mean like 
um, a small group just finding some space where they can pursue freedom. And uh, my belief was creativity is the mechanism, is a, is a solid mechanism in which you can approach freedom or liberation. Mm-hmm. And that could be from, you know, the bonds of, that we create and the bonds that we had no choice um, to be kind of burdened by, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I use these three phrase conversation create these three words in, in in thinking about our process is conversation creativity and collaboration conversation and, creativity and collaboration yeah. so to me like conversation is an art form in and of itself because mm-hmm. listening is an art form and that that that's what a real conversation is like mm-hmm. sitting back listening like i remember debating when i was younger and I would always just be like thinking of my rebuttal. Yeah, getting you got prepared it. to say whatever it is that I thought was the most important thing I had to say mm-hmm. in this dialogue, in this debate, rather than effectively listening, trying to understand the other person's point of view, mm-hmm. and then internalizing the way, sitting on it, thinking about it. Maybe there's something I agree with, you yeah. know, and maybe the conversation doesn't turn into a debate but then it turns into like a, a dialogue you yeah, know what yeah. I mean or maybe there's some subtle disagreements but we get through the bullshit and it's just like oh our core tenets are pretty much the same though if we take away the bullshit you know what I mean so I think conversation is critical um, and it can also create just like commonality on on what the ne- what the next phase is in terms of creativity yeah. you know what I mean creativity can be individual and then coming back and then you know, we're having this more conversation about what I created, what you created, or it can be collective. Uh, but either way, it can't just stay here. What happens here in some form has to seep out into the broader community. Mm-hmm. And that idea of collaboration then start it's both internal and external. Yeah. So that that's how I, I see community building. You know, okay. conversation, creativity, and collaboration. Damn, okay, okay. No, no. How would okay. You said you said creativity in short was liberating. Um, what about it? Like or what? Because huh. I, I I like to almost know how mechanisms work, and this feels like a really tough mechanism to think about. You know. What what does creativity do, that is that makes it liberating? Like you know what I'm saying? Because um, I I granted I could creatively enslave somebody. Like, you know what I mean? I was just watching um, some video about, like, this video game and this character. He basically makes this deal to commit some people into slavery. You know what I'm saying? Um, And he sells it, right? Um, So, in what way, like, you can use creativity for good or evil, in some sense, is my point. You know what I mean? How, what is it about creativity when used for good? that makes it liberating? I think for me, it's that you can be through the, through the creative process, you can be both in and outside of yourself at the same time. Yeah. Okay. And I think there's like this, this constant dialogue. Again, we're going back to conversation. Now there's this constant dialogue about what's happening in here. That's coming out into the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, how that feels like I do I do a ton of art, you know, 
at the crib. I don't show too many people, but you know I do. Like Zara, my daughter, and and my wife see it all the they 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 get like behind the scenes of the process, and I'm always like engaging with them while I'm doing it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I'll zone out and then come back and be like, you know, I ask them like, hey, is that what you think about this color? You want to help me mix this color? Or like. Uh, it's Jackie, you know, like, how does that, like, what do you, what do you get when you see this? What do you, what do you mm-hmm. see? You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, so the, the positive spin on creativity that like, for me, I'm being liberated because my creative inclinations are being exercised mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm acting on that. And then, you know, I'm seeing like the benefit of what it's doing out, outside of myself because like my family's like a part of it. They're it brings getting people joy in. from it. Yeah, they're getting joy it from it. They're, they're talking about it. The conversation, you know, Zyra might see a waterfall. She just saw a waterfall in this piece I, I just did. And then it sparked a memory that I had about a waterfall and I got to tell her a story. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, so creativity, to me, creativity begets more creativity. Mm-hmm. And so if it's done in a, in a healthy manner, and creativity, spawning more creativity. Yeah. Going back again to what you, what you just said, the the social reproduction. Yeah, yeah. We socially reproduce creative creativity. Yeah. So like, there's a different dynamic. So we maybe if if that is internalized more broadly, mm-hmm. and done in different ways and valued instead of exploited more, do we then start to produce more that moves us collectively further and further outside of the cave? Yeah. And outside into a space where now we're not born inside of something that already existed, but now we have the capacity and the freedom to create something that's new, that people now new can get born into, but they're not confined to that. They're born into a foundation in which they can create something themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. On a, on a sidebar, it's like, yeah, our society values maintenance more than it does creativity like you know what i'm saying because creativity involves creation versus maintenance like we just kind of want to keep things the way they are because they're they're safe that way right and fear too and fear right and fear but um one thing that that i I was picking up and i thought was cool you, you said that the creativity was a way for you to be both in and out of yourself and i think what when you were talking about the collaboration part like inviting your daughter or your wife it made me think of it, it's like, as much as it is an inside-out process, I think, for the individual, I think it's an outside-in process for others. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And then, like, you are not just inviting them to come make art with you, but whether or not Zyra knows it, when she's looking at something her dad made, she's looking at a piece of her dad, a piece of her dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, his private life something some sensation or feeling he has you know what i mean um and things she might not even like really know it right now yeah you know what i mean um has has um last question too because i know you only got like 15 minutes left i don't want you to be late um has has creativity and and life in general gotten more fun um with zyra in the picture oh yeah absolutely i because to me when she was born, it, I saw that as, like, the greatest act of creation, you know? And, like, Damn. just the, the um, and I know it's different, you know? Like, I, I don't want to 
romanticize things broadly, but I'm talking specifically with my experience. Mm-hmm. Like with with my wife and I, like the act of love created our daughter. Mm-hmm. And so like that that kid is just, you know, she is loved and, and, wow. and adored. So like, like really understanding that in this tangible way really kind of just, it did something to me, like spiritually, mm-hmm. mentally, something in my brain like opened up, like some barricade of some sort Interesting. opened up. And so since she's been born, like just my creative capacity has, that's wild, has skyrocketed. My creative desires have skyrocketed. My, my focus and appreciation and need to, to create, um, you know, it's, it's very similar. Like I have a need to be around my family. Like if I work, if I got to work late, I got an event or something like, you know, even if it's one, a rare one night, like I still like, I feel a certain way that I can't be be it, home before Zara goes to sleep. The the I mean? way you need food. Yeah. yeah. And if I don't, if I go too long without creating, you know, it it's similar to like basketball. If I go too long without creating a basketball or seeing my family, it's easy pathway to get depressed. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you definitely. I noticed that um, it's like I was telling you this morning when we were playing before we even got to the gym. Like when you stand up. You release a certain chemical in your brain that's more positive than when you're lying down. Yeah. Um, no, nah, man, I feel that. I, I also need creativity and physical fitness in my life just to feel like a human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yo, thank you, Keith, for being on this episode. Hopefully, this is not the last time you're on. I got, like, so many more things I want to pick your brain about, man. You are you are the philosopher-in-chief, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, if you were wondering where I got my game from in terms of the 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 philosophizing, man, you know what I mean. You you put me on. So I think it was more so just creating space. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think with young folks, especially like like yourself, it's just a matter of allowing the space, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and then you have that room and that freedom to to just like think and share your thoughts. And mm-hmm. you know, I think people say. You know, share. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge. Like people be judging, but I think <laughs> when when you have to be mindful. Like this is a lifelong journey. Like of understanding. I'm figuring that you out. You know now. what I mean? It's yeah. like it. It just it goes and goes and goes. Every there's like you know there's just an endless beach, and like our pursuit of knowledge is like turning over each tiny little pebble on that beach. Mm-hmm. Like. How far are we really gonna get in this lifetime? We're gonna get as far as we can get, but there's a lot of pebbles to to turn over to see what's underneath. So, yeah, it's in, it's in it was in you. It's in it's in all of us. We just gotta honor honor that capacity and just pursue it. No, for sure. I right, yo, that's a wrap, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, don't be late. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, grab that for the cam. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but now yo, thank you, Keith, for being on this on this episode, bro. For real, actually. No, I appreciate it. Anytime. It's always fun because. Thanks for watching Character Development. If you enjoyed this episode.